This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Hone your development skills at learn.thoughtbot.com. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robot Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben Orenstein. I'm here today with Alex Fox and Jatine Bandari. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hi. You know you made it big when you're on this podcast. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> so you two are both uh, students from our uh, Metis program, our boot camp for Rails. Is that correct? Yep. We're grunts at, yeah. the, at the boot camp. Awesome. She's a grunt. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Uh, so, Jatine, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what your background was before you came to Venice? Yep. Uh, so, before coming in, I was actually working in health administration for an NGO out in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a graduate from the University of Toronto. Did a degree in health studies and anthropology. So, I totally had no background coming into this program. No programming. No programming whatsoever. Okay. In high school, you used to make fun of computer people who want to become computer engineers, and mm-hmm. look what happened. Mm-hmm. Now I really want to become one, and I respect them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had I totally had no background in it, and then just got an email from Kaplan because I was studying for my GRE. I wanted to do my master's. Mm. From the information that was on the email, sort of just read it, and then did a lot of industry research. And I thought, you know, this is something I wanted to do. Hmm. So you actually ended up doing this instead of getting a master's degree? That is correct. Um, I I felt like going through web development, it could definitely give me sort of a different edge Mm -hmm. um, if I want to apply for a master's program. And I've been enjoying it so much that I don't know if I want to go back to school and and get that traditional uh, degree because this is just, it's so fulfilling. Mm, You're like the horror story of uh, higher education, right? Pretty pretty (laughs) much, pretty much. You know, I used to think like that's the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. And the thing I love about this industry is it's it's less about what's on a piece of paper. It's more about your talent. What can you do? Mm -hmm. And it's refreshing. Yeah. Any industry you go to, it's like, what degree do you have? What school do you have? Here, it's like, what can you build? Right. What are your talents? Mm-hmm. Showcases. So I'm embracing the situation right now. Yeah, it sounds like it. And how about you, Alex? Um, well, I also sort of come from a humanities background. I graduated last spring from the George Washington University in D.C., and I majored in history. So after I graduated, I was sort of at a loss of what I wanted to do. And I, like most post-grads just started studying for the LSATs thinking that okay I'll just continue going to school because that way I don't have to make any real career decisions immediately so I started studying for the LSATs and I really enjoyed like the logic games and the puzzles and etc I had a lot of fun with that and after talking to a few people they were like hey don't go to law school. It's not like studying for the LSATs. If you like that, you should probably try to find something else. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And so I, you know, perused around the web a little bit. I used to do a little bit of web web development. You know, I I use that term really loosely uh, when I was like 11 or 12. And I would like screw around on Neopets and like do CSS and HTML and, Mm -hmm. you know, edit stuff. So I had like a little bit of knowledge in uh, in the back of my head, and I researched that a little bit, and I came across all of these boot camps were popping up for Ruby on Rails, and it seemed like a really approachable language and framework for me to start with, mm-hmm. and um, I just started doing some of my own self-studying, doing um, these online courses that I could find, 
And there's a lot of resources on the internet, which is awesome if you're trying to become a web developer because it's super accessible. And like Jatim was saying, you really don't need any sort of formal education in it. You just have to know how to do it. But I did sort of hit a wall with my like self-studying and I realized I wasn't really learning. I was just sort of doing the motions, like going through the motions of building an app mm -hmm. because I would watch these videos and then just sort of do it. And while they would explain it to me while they were, you know, teaching it, I just, it wouldn't register because I was so focused on getting my app to work. Mm -hmm. And if I got my app to work, I'd be like, oh, yay, awesome. And I just wouldn't really understand the process behind it. Mm -hmm. And I sort of recognized that, you know, later in my in my own studies um, about like three months in and so I looked around like the internet because I didn't really want to move I'm from Boston I've been living at home in Newton so I wanted to find something local and I just sort of stumbled upon Metis after um, looking into the apprenticeship program for ThoughtBot mm -hmm. and I knew that I wasn't quite at the level that they needed apprentices to be. So Chad just sort of sent me an email, the CEO of ThoughtBot, and he was like, hey, we just opened this uh, boot camp. You know, you should apply. You sound like a good candidate. So I did just that, and here I am, and I really enjoy it. And for the same reasons Jatine was saying, it's a lot different than the humanities in that humanities tend to be really subjective and, like, you know, I can churn out a really good paper really easily, mm -hmm. and I don't really have to think a lot about it. You know, I sort of understand how the structure is. I have to do the research, but that's it. With programming, it's really a lot of, you know, it is like logic and rational thinking and sort of figuring out how stuff works and if you can get it to work. It's, it's kind of more black and white. Like, you can either do it like this or you can't. And as I've learned more now, it's not as black and white as it as it used to seem. Like there are ways to be a better coder, write cleaner code, the design, whatever. Mm. Um, but I sort of really like that aspect of it being either right or wrong. And then you know, once you get it right, you can get it even better and better. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's just sort of my story. Cool. So you both took a bit of a jump where you paid a good amount of money up front and are committing to this fairly long program. Did you have any hesitation about that? Were you worried about committing to something like that? Before worrying about, um, you know, the cost and what I'm going to you know, put into the program in terms of finances, it was a big thing because I'm from Toronto, mm -hmm. from a totally different country. And to sort of drop everything and come to a new city, uh, not knowing anybody, it was quite the mind breaker. Mm -hmm. But like I said, before coming here, I did huge industry research and I found out about ThoughtBot. And once I found out about pretty much their position in the worldwide community for Ruby on Rails, it was almost an easy, easy decision. Mm -hmm. And I was almost willing to pay pretty much anything. And um, Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Known that. I know, I know. It's a good thing I didn't put it on my application. <laughs> um, but once I found that out, it was like, okay, you know, how, how are we going to pay for it? Things like that. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about the program is... If, even if you don't have um, the resources to do it, they have s so many um, outside resources like Upstart, and they give scholarships uh, to people who are visible minorities or in the military or women because those sort of sections of society are not very much represented within the industry. Mm -hmm. So that's a cool thing. Like For Metis, it's less about can you pay for it. It's, it's nothing like that. It's like we want you in the program if you're going to be dedicated to the craft. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't much of a decision for me to come down here other than 
if America would let me cr- across the border. That was, <laughs> that was pretty easy because I'm Canadian. Yeah, they're still hesitant about that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like for me, it was pretty easy because I I have been living in Boston for a while. I'm living at home, which kind of sucks, but whatever, you know. And yeah, the only hesitation for me was like, do I want to try to get a job in some other industry right now? Because I knew I wasn't qualified enough to get a junior developer job where I was before Metis. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, you know, do I want to settle for something that I'm not really interested in just to move out and sort of start my life? Or do I want to commit to more learning and really be like thrust into this whole new world and Honestly, the second option was super appealing. Like, that's the whole reason why I started, you know, learning how to code in the first place was because I did not want to settle for some sort of job that I just wasn't interested in and that I didn't see myself growing in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I'm really fortunate that my parents have been really supportive of my decision. They're really happy that I've found something that I like so much. You know, I wasn't, I haven't always been, you know, like the best, most driven student in college or whatever. And in high school, I did well, but, you know, I just never, nothing ever really held my attention the way mm. that coding and web development has. So it was a pretty easy decision and choice for me. I think it's cool that you went and, and decided to make that investment of time and money and, and sacrifice of staying home and all that. Because I, I have friends that just ended up taking the job that they could get, yeah. and even though they have no interest in it. And like, I, I just can't imagine going every day, week after week to a job where you're just like completely bored by it. Yeah, no, exactly. And I have a lot of friends who have done just that. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to witness that and see that they haven't really been happy yeah. doing that and that they really don't want to stay at these companies that they start at, you know. And while they, be, they might be making a, you know, a fair amount of money, it's just you know, where do you go? For, like, are you going to grow at that company and in that industry? Like, to me, it's just, unless you're learning some sort of marketable skill, like, that's why I think, like, the apprenticeship program is awesome. And, like, these boot camps are so awesome because you're learning something that, like, you'll always have with you and that you can always continue to learn. Like, it's such, like, programming, like, in de- web development is just such a changing, you know, ever-changing career and atmosphere I guess that Mm -hmm. you're always going to be learning something new and that's honestly what's really appealing about it and so it's worth the time in my opinion it's really worth the investment and the money and the time just to get a good foothold you know so you can continue learning about it because once you understand sort of the fundamentals Mm -hmm. it becomes a lot more approachable and you get to you know network with people which is awesome and in terms of a field I'm I think the internet is probably going to be a thing going for forward so you know like there's probably going to be some jobs around that yeah yeah it's, it's looking like, that way. like it's it's really fun because sort of the technology the technology industry is like always evolving and to go into a boot camp it's 12 weeks and it's almost like an adventure if you're kind of an, an adventure seeker like i love adventure so to come into an industry that's always changing and you we kind of don't know what's going to come out of this because we're going to be junior developers mm-hmm. and like I said, the industry is always evolving. So it's kind of fun because you don't know what's going to come out of it. So I also find it that I'm probably in one of the most exciting points of my life right now. Very cool. So what has the day-to-day been like? Um, For the first five weeks, it was really lecture-based. So, you know, we started off learning some basic Ruby, you know, some basic programming in general, how to use Git, etc. You know, we made some small programs like hangman and Mm -hmm. how to you know how to read an external file you know with ruby and stuff like that 
and then we sort of delved more into like the the web development side of it and we learned some Sinatra and then we started with Rails and the basics of like what Rails is really fundamentally based on Mm -hmm. um so we got a really good foundation before moving into like the the Rails part of it which was cool because when I was learning it on my own it was sort of like interchangeable like Ruby on Rails was just like to me it just was like one thing but right they distinguished it really well at Metis like you know, this is the programming language, and then this is what is built off of that. Right. One thing, I, I was actually talking to one of the instructors yesterday. We were comparing sort of other boot camps. In Metis, at least, there was a large concentration on Rails um, versus um, some of the other ones. And he was saying it's, it's interesting how maybe some of the other boot camps might um, give more time to Ruby. But essentially a lot of your job you're going to be working within the framework within rails so mm. there was a big concentration on rails so that was between 5 to 7 weeks and then sort of after 7 weeks was finished uh for 2 weeks we started mock client projects so we pretty much went through the entire motions that a thoughtbot project would go through mm-hmm. we had client meetings and um we used a lot of the software auxiliary softwares like trello boards and things like that sort of just to get used to the thoughtbot process and how to consult and things like that um, so we were working in teams of two or three, and it was good because you learn how to collaborate with people, and you're going to be working with a lot of people, so teamwork is, is a big part of it. Mm. And these these uh, projects, they really push our limits in terms of uh, how to work within a team, but everybody here is nice. It's a good, cohesive mm-hmm. group. Yeah, we've got so, a great group. So, yeah, so everybody worked well together, and we did presentations in front of a whole group, like some of the... Kaplan advisors had come in to watch us and how we would present the apps. So that was really fun. And right now we're at the tail end of our capstone project, which was the final three weeks. And um, it's been sort of an ongoing process. By the fourth week, we had to come up with a final sort of mock-up or drop of what we wanted to do. And then it's just been an ongoing process every weekend just to add on to it. But the final three weeks is like really, you know, the meat and potatoes of it. We've been building it and pretty much everybody now is in their styling phase and, you know, we're getting ready to present our apps at career day. Mm. Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting because we have since we we've known for the whole the entirety of our time here that we were going to be working on these capstone passion projects in the last three weeks and even though I knew that, like, and we've been doing agile development techniques, you know, so, yeah, we use Trello, we make wireframes, you know, you sort of adjust your ideas. I ended up scrapping my entire first idea, like, right when we started working on these because I simply wasn't passionate about it. Mm. And it took me a while to find something that I thought I really, you know, wanted to invest my time in. And, you know, that sacrifice, me making that decision maybe sacrificed some potential functionality of my last one because it was way more you know thought out and drawn out but I'm I'm glad I made that decision because I'm working on something that I really enjoy and I think that mm-hmm. a lot of the students here have found they've they've at least have known for a while what they wanted to work on and they've had this idea in their heads mm-hmm. and that's why it was cool to do the client project at first because they provided us with a topic and mm-hmm. um, an app idea and we had to work with that so it was it's interesting to like sort of have the contrast between the two mm-hmm. you know you're you're following the client's instructions which can almost be easier because they want you to build something specific and yep. they tell you what they want and you do that for them 
and you can you know figure out what design and like all other functionalities that uh it can have but as we realized two weeks is not that long you know a lot of us i think really overshot it we're like okay we're gonna do this this and this and then at the end we had to scale it way down yep um and so i think a lot of us learned from that experience and we've taken that into our capstone projects and we're not at least I'm not, and I've talked to a few other students. It's they're really not trying to overcomplicate their apps. They're just trying to make a really solid, functional, well-built application. Yeah, I, th- I think during the group projects, a lot of people ended up switching their passion project because they understood. Well, there's two things: people either made it more complicated or they made it less complicated. They made it more complicated because they found out sort of what we actually are capable of doing. Which was cool because at least for me, I thought, okay, let me start off with something simple. But once the seven weeks was up, I was like, damn, I can actually build things, yeah. right? So I made it uh, a little bit more complicated. And we got some really cool projects going on. Like we got one guy who's working with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing an e-prescription application, Alex. Um, I'm doing like a harm reduction web application for, you know, like uh, drug addicts in the Boston area and people in recovery and sort of trying to provide resources and make it sort of an interactive community mm-hmm. um, for people to go to. Yeah. And then uh, we got one guy doing um, some work with senators and congressmen, the amount of bills that they've passed and um, their current income. Which is really cool. So everybody, if if you talk to them maybe about 10 weeks ago, they had pretty simple apps. But sort of the as the weeks went by and the creative juices started flowing, people really brought in a lot of cool concepts. And to see everybody at the tail end of their projects now, like it's, it's just awesome about looking at what people have come up with in such a short amount of time. Mm. So what did uh, feedback look like? What mechanisms were there for to, to kind of be teaching you guys and giving you feedback on your work well during the client projects it was pretty easy to get feedback from them because we actually had like a meet a client meeting with them at the end of the first week and from there they sort of reviewed our work and we told them what we had done and we showed them our trello boards and i learned a lot just from that single meeting because they were like okay well this is what how you should be using the trello boards you know mm-hmm. add more to it make every single you know entry you have on the trello board a feature of your application mm. and link to you know a github pull request that features that that like kind of blew my mind i was like oh wow that's such a good idea like i didn't even i would have never thought of that on my own mm. so that type of feedback has been awesome and you know the instructors are always available on campfire and you know when we're in the class and they usually stay uh, after hours for help mm-hmm. and it's really awesome because they instruct really well, but they don't have they don't outright tell you the answers if you have a question. They really help you come to these conclusions on your own so you really learn and understand the materials. And I don't know if we've really received any explicit feedback on our projects right now in terms of like, oh, this is great, awesome, whatever. It's more like, okay, I don't know if you're going to be able to complete this feature by this day. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should do this instead. Mm. So it's really awesome to have you know people there who have done this a million times for real clients and who know our skill levels mm-hmm. to be able to sort of help guide us and help us pick what will be best suited for our app and best suited for career day. Sure. And there's also, a lot of, I know you guys did a lot of pull request feedback, things oh, like yeah. that, lots of polls. Lots of polls. Yeah, that, yeah, that was really fun because through the pull request, you get a plethora of feedback from the instructors. Mm-hmm. And 
from when we when we started the group projects to now, you're seeing that the pull requests they're getting like the comments are getting smaller and smaller and smaller because everybody's code is evolving that much better. Mm. And um, on the pull requests, like a lot of things, they're more complex issues now, like architecture. Whereas before, you'll see indent two spaces mm-hmm. or like oh you know you can remove white space you know do mm-hmm. this on Vim something like that because actually cool thing about vim is we're all using thoughtbots uh, dot files now mm. so that's cool or j steiners or j steiners a plug for j steiners <laughs> dot files uh, we all st- a lot of us started off on sublime yep. but our instructors have been pushing us to adopt vim hmm. which is which is really cool now and everybody's just blazing on that keyboard and you can hear it like yeah. you know once you switch vim and then you're on your browser you can hear people like smashing command r uh, <laughs> to reload that page and to see if it's it's happening but so there's a lot of i know this podcast is you know giant robots smashing giant robots but we're smashing that keyboard up in uh yeah in, in the <laughs> office. it's really funny because uh yeah vim is definitely something we've learned and i know that i've actually watched a few of your videos on vim and that's really helped me because and I still might be like this if you watch me. If an expert watches me use Vim, you'll probably think, what is this girl doing? But compared to where I was before, before I was just sort of like s- smashing the J key and like using the <laughs> cursors and just, you know, kind of treating it like sublime without a mouse, basically. Yep. Um, but now that I've learned more shortcuts, I'm still by no means like a lightning quick Vimmer. But it's it's really cool to see the progression that all of us have made because it was... Honestly, one of the hardest things I've had to learn was switching from Sublime to Vim. Hmm. It was just because it was like you were going so slow <laughs> and we were learning from the lectures at this point. So you're trying to follow along with the lecture and then code your own stuff. And it just it was like uh, it's it's your brain handling like four different things at once. Yeah. Which is why they didn't want us to use Vim at first because it would it was like learning a lot of different things at once but now that we've learned it and i just put sublime in my trash can you know and it's just like all right i've got to do this i've got to stick it out and it's really like it's obvious that a lot of people have become way more proficient in it nice yeah the the instructors are always pushing us to get better like they introduce vim now a lot of us are also using tmux things like that so they fulfilled everything that they said they would um, in the course syllabus but they just keep on pushing us more and more and more and it's awesome the resources that Metis gives us is is wicked, like Campfire. They're always available there. So one thing I can say is definitely, you know, Metis really nailed down the culture cultural part. Mm. What What do you mean by that? Well, the way Thoughtbot is, and we ha- we had a talk with Chad about how he sort of built Thoughtbot and what he wanted the culture to be like, and that very much has been mimicked in Metis. So you know, code passionately, but also enjoy enjoy the people you're with. So lunchtime we'll all grab lunch together the weather's getting better so we're playing like spike ball mm-hmm. sometimes some Freaky. of the thoughtbot guys come in i know phil was hanging out with us last week mm-hmm. we we were playing some pretty hardcore tournaments uh, with with steiner so so that's Someone fun yeah mm-hmm. and then you know like yesterday we're just li- we're just lying down in the garden just hanging out getting some vitamin d so <laughs> it's it's cool we're all hanging out and then on the weekend sometimes we get together there was a beer trip um, a lot of the Metis people went up to New Hampshire and brewed their own beer, things like that. You know, we're, we're having fun. It's, if I can compare this class to anything, it's kind of like, you know, that one class in high school during your senior year 
that totally made high school what it was. <laughs> mm. That's what kind of Metis is like. It's like it's reliving that wicked high school class. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, and I mean, a lot of that has to come with like, I think the quality of the people that are here. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, Metis did an amazing job at finding the right personalities for this class because it's really crazy how well we all mesh together, you know? Like, I've never gotten along with this many people and, like, while spending this much time with them. You know, you have to think we spend a lot of time together. Um, not not too much, you know? It's not like we're working 100-hour weeks, but, you know, we're, we're always together. And then if we're not together, usually we are hanging out together, like, after hours we go to a bar or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool how that's just so natural and not forced and, like... We just, you know, we all just get along really well. And everyone's also really, really helpful. You know, people like students are teaching other students at this point and actually have been since, I guess, week two almost, you know, which is awesome. So there's no real fear of like, oh, wow, like I'm going to be embarrassing myself with this question. Like, you know, sort of like that infamous imposter syndrome that's come up before you know, um, in the web developing world and the programming world. I feel like that's sort of is wiped away um, because we're all so open and honest and we're like, hey, I have a question on this. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. And no one, you know, judges. No one is, like, holier than thou. Everyone is really humble and modest because we all were at the same place in week one. I mean, some of us have a little bit more programming experience, but that really evened itself out, I feel, you know, within the first couple of weeks. So it's just really awesome, and I give credit to you know everyone who did the application process because it's clear that it's not just based on like okay this person's gonna you know be a great programmer one day and that's that you know it's like this person's gonna be a great programmer they have the aptitude to learn really well and they can clearly get along with people and have other interests and you know they'll be a really like engaging fulfilling member of the community Mm. which is um really important i think that's really uh, and also like a huge part of thoughtbot too so it's awesome that that is like weaved its way into the metis lifestyle yeah how did the length feel i know there are there are programs out there that are shorter and some that are even twice as long like did, did 12 weeks feel about right I would say yes, it did. I I know when I spoken to um, some of the instructors, like sort of what was your idea doing 12 weeks? Because I know there's a few boot camps that are, some are nine, mm-hmm. some are 10. Like why 12? They said they want it to become sustainable, a sustainable way to learn code. But to be honest, it's pretty intensive. Like it, it's pushing us. Like I know by the third week I was dreaming in code, <laughs> right? Um you yeah, sort of, a, yeah, you adopt it so much. And I know they want it to be sustainable, but you become really fired up about it to the point where it's you, you eat, you you breathe, and you bleed. Sustainable code. from a, a pace, your, your pace, like your own mental sanity is sustainable, you mean? Yeah, it is, it is. Like, you're not, you're not going to sleep saying, oh my God, I can't sleep anymore because I need to code. It's not like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're happy to come into class every day. I know before you said like, oh, it must be difficult to wake up really early and come to into class but it's really fun because they're always showing us more and just to see oh what we learned yesterday we can build upon it and make it that much better it's extremely encouraging yeah i mean the length like in terms of like uh months so what three months 12 weeks i think that's a really perfect length if it was short i can't imagine it being shorter honestly a lot of stuff would have had to been cut out and also just in terms of like the hours a day 
it is intensive, but it's not it doesn't demand too much of you, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like it's it's an it's nine to five thirty six, you know, with an hour and a half lunch break. And we have, you know, stretching breaks, you know, that was back during the lectures. Now we sort of can do our own thing at our own time because, you know, we're all adults. We can mm-hmm. do we can work on our own projects. You know, we want to do well on this. We enjoy it. So it was not too demanding in terms of hours you have to put in. And it mm-hmm. wasn't. And that was awesome because it wasn't expected of us either. It wasn't. I've read of, and I've heard about a lot of boot camps that are sort of like, yeah, it's it's very intense. You know, it's a seven. You know, seventy hours a week, seventy to two ninety hours a week is the general amount people will put in. And I was like, hell no! Like I can't do. Like mm-hmm. there's a point where I just can't program anymore. You know, I need to sleep. You know, I need to do other things. I just don't write good code after a certain amount of time, and I just don't think it really affects your productivity to put in a certain amount of hours. Just to say you put in a certain amount of hours. You know what I mean? Yep. So. Now we're all working on our projects and I am putting in more hours because I know what I have to do to get it done. Whereas, you know, before it's like if I had to sit in a lecture for, God, like nine hours and then like do homework and stuff, that's so unappealing to me because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're learning throughout the day. You need to give your brain a break. You really do. And the weekends, like they would have some like light homework assignments that we would, you know, it's, it was mostly just related to our capstone project so we could get a head start on that. But that was just, you know, that was enjoyable to do because it's, it's, we're, we're putting stuff that we've learned to use and it's stuff that we're all interested in. You know, we wouldn't be here if we didn't want to learn it. So coming to class in the morning is really, uh, is, is fun. You know, I would look forward to it every day. And again, like I was saying before, I'm not I haven't been like a great student my entire life that's I haven't enjoyed necessarily going to classes Mm -hmm. and what really makes honestly what really makes a class and this is just as a general rule is the the instructors like the instructors and the way the curriculum is taught and of course the subject matter and there's like a perfect blend of all three of those so you know even if it was more rigorous I think I would be happy doing it because it's presented in such a nonchalant way it's intensive but you're with all these people who are doing the same exact thing that you're doing. So it's a lot more approachable. Mm-hmm. And you it's not competitive, you know? It's not a competition. Like, oh, I put in this many hours a week. Like, who cares? Like, we're all learning the same stuff. We all know where we should be. So I, I would say the pace was perfect, and the length of time was definitely awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. It seems like both of you have a, a pretty favorable impression of, of your experience so far. Are there any things that you would go back and change? Like, any things that could be better? Uh, if if I could think back, um, I know f- definitely for our pre work we just pretty much just concentrate on HTML and CSS. Mm-hmm. But you know if you're going to come into an intensive program, it would be good to you know get the foundational aspects out of there. So rather than HTML and CSS, which was very important, I felt like you know maybe if we had more of a concentration in just basic Ruby within mm-hmm. the terminal, that would have been good. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sort of expressed those concerns to the instructors. And they took that information and they said, yeah, okay, that's fine. And now they're implementing it into the upcoming uh, two sessions, Mm -hmm. which is in New York and Boston. So I think they're implementing the Chris Pines Intro to Ruby book Mm. or something like that, that some of us read while the course was going. So it's nice. Uh, Anytime you have an issue, they're really open. You just talk to them. And if they feel like, yeah, you know, you're right. And they talk to also the other students. They'll they'll implement it, and that's what's awesome. Hmm. Yeah, it's awesome how it's just like the programming world. It is sort of a changing environment that's really 
open to responses and students' experiences. And I, I agree with Jatine. That was one of the suggestions that I gave them was sort of I, – I did – uh, have like a little bit of, of a Ruby and Rails background, so I wasn't mm-hmm. sort of limited in that sense. But I I know there was a huge learning gap kind of in the first two weeks because people were either picking up on Ruby quickly or they weren't, and that sort of had to even itself out. Mm-hmm. And I think that could have been avoided just by you know touching a little bit more on the pre work. But you know they're going to be doing that for the next cohorts, like Jatine mentioned, and it really wasn't it wasn't like ride or die. You know mm-hmm. it was just sort of you know, people had to spend more time on it, which makes sense. You know, people learn at different paces and that's going to be expected in any sort of class. And it comes out especially in these boot camps. Yeah. So I, that would probably just be my only recommendation. Other than that, it's been awesome. And maybe learning Vim like on your own before the class starts would be cool too, because Mm -hmm. while Sublime was great when I was first like starting out, if I had just bit the bullet and done some Vim stuff first, it would have been a lot easier because I had to unlearn all of these sublime stuff that I've, you know, sort of had ingrained in my muscle memory, just which is just basically just like where you're like tab, 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 use your mouse, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's not only sort of the students who are kind of accountable for everything. We also had to do, um, I think it was like every four weeks we had a check-in with Kaplan um, with the people who are running sort of the business side of Metis. And they wanted to know sort of how how are you feeling in this course? So it wasn't only the instructors who were checking up on us. It was also Kaplan as well. Mm-hmm. And that's good because Kaplan was also asking, oh, how are the instructors doing? So everybody essentially is accountable. And that's a good thing. So you know that you're everybody's going to be working hard to make sure that everybody's happy. Hmm. So how about for yourselves? Are there things that you wish you had done a little bit differently during the course? I wish I learned Vim earlier because it's awesome. Yeah. Mm. like transitioning from sublime to vim um that was a harsh experience but it was definitely worth Uh, it because i'm way more efficient now yeah and also css i wish i knew about thought about makes bourbon in-house the bourbon family Mm -hmm. i wish i knew about that way earlier because it makes life easier um so i guess that's it just you don't really know what to expect going into the program mm-hmm. but in hindsight you know i would say just just css and vim pretty much that's the only thing mm-hmm. yeah i agree i mean i can't think of because i'm not sure where i'm i mean i know where i'm at i guess we're at with this program but only time will tell sort of when i'm put into a real work environment like what my haves my have nots are so it's hard for me to say right now like oh i wish i had done this more sure um but i really hope to start learning how to make tests soon and i don't think it would have been prudent for them to have taught testing mm-hmm. at all actually in the the short you know 12 weeks that, that we were there mm-hmm. um so that's sort of something i wish i had focused on a little bit more on my own sort of on the side but mm. then again it's hard to sort of figure out what is the most important thing I should be focusing on. Is it, you know, my project's features or should I try to learn something new that I'm going to have to eventually learn, which is, you know, TDD, because we've mostly done um, error-driven development. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess that's one thing I wish I personally had done and I'm going to start working on as soon as I get out of the course, if not sooner than that. Um, And that's awesome that we have access to the Learn, Mm. ThoughtBots Learn videos, Mm -hmm. because those are super helpful. I've watched a few of them, and at least the first one of the tests um, is really, really helpful. So I'm really happy that we're going to be able to utilize that. And we only got access to that towards the end of the course. And I don't know, some people wanted access to it earlier, Mm. but 
and that's cool, I guess, if they had wanted to do that on their own and sort of explore that more on their own. But I was just sort of focused on what we were learning in person and sort of doing it in person. And I didn't really, like I said, like when I get home, I didn't see myself necessarily watching a learn video unless I was going to be coding that night, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to exploring more learn once we get out of the program, because unless I get a job right off the bat, which, you know, who, hey, I might, who knows, but uh, I'll have some free time to be able to do that. Yeah, and, th- and that's a cool thing. Like once the 12 weeks is over, our learning doesn't stop there because we have access to learning. Our instructors say once you're finished, once those 12 weeks are up, make sure you start TDD. Mm. And I think that's cool. But like I heard, though, at the past Rails Conf, I know that like DHH or something said something. He was talking, um, you know, against TDD. But I find, yeah, I find that's cool because it stirs the pot. Right. And the fact that the industry is not stagnant, again, I find that exciting. It's a cool thing that you have to be adaptable. So I think it's cool to see how uh, this industry is going to adapt to what DHH says or you know, things like that. Yeah, it's interesting how passionate people are about, you know, oh, yeah. people's opinions or like, you know, how they operate. And um, that's something I had no idea about until I really started this course. I didn't really know how I thought people were just sort of like, uh, you know, I thought there was only sort of one way to do stuff, you know, mm-hmm. one right way. And I'm certainly not right. <laughs> like that, that's, uh, there's a lot of different ways to do things and people have very, very strong opinions towards it. So yeah, I think it is cool. Like, cause I'm not, I'm not an outsider anymore, I would say, but mm-hmm. I can still have that outsider's perspective. Cause I'm not like, oh, you know, I only do TDD and that's that. Cause I don't even know how to do TDD yet. I mean, it makes sense to me logically, so, which is why I want to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean it has to be the end all be all for you know programming and i i agree with jatine it's it is it just is a reflection of how the community is constantly evolving and constantly changing and you know you should be you know opinionated strongly opinionated but open to changing mm-hmm. open to changing that sure yeah i, I didn't think it'd be it'd become so heated yeah you know when i started off but it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool it's fun yeah cool. Well, uh, I appreciate you both coming by and chatting. It sounds like you had a good time, and I appreciate you sharing your experiences. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cool. So if you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash giantrobots slash 101. Thanks for listening.